Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I have a great interview for you today with someone who's going to tell you how to be more of the badass that you already are, but maybe you've lost touch with that inner badass. Well, our guest today is going to help you reconnect to her or him. Before we dive in, you've probably heard me talking about or you've seen me promoting on social media, Marie Forleo's B-School. I don't promote many programs at all. In fact, B-School is one of the few programs I promote because I only promote things that I 1000% believe in. And I think Marie Forleo is the best at teaching aspiring or current entrepreneurs how to really thrive in building your business and do what you love. If you missed my podcast with Marie, she was on last week's Coach's Corner. So go back and get that. And I'm going to be doing a live group coaching call for any of you who are considering B-School or want some coaching on how to build your business. It's a free call. Go to christinehassler.com slash live to register. And if you can't make the call live, go ahead and register anyway, because it will be recorded and sent to you. And this is an opportunity to really get off the fence about B-School and to get some coaching from me. You know, on this podcast, you hear me coach mostly on personal subjects, but I'm also a really good coach when it comes to business, both strategy and how to remove those inner blocks like fear and imposter syndrome and how we sabotage ourselves that often keep us from success or even starting. So join me there, christinehaster.com slash live. And if you haven't taken advantage of Marie Forleo's free training videos, you can grab those at christinehaster.com slash free training. All right. So let's get to my guest for today. Jen Sincero is a best-selling author, success coach, and motivational speaker who spent more than a decade traveling the world, helping people transform their lives and their bank accounts via her public appearances, coaching sessions, books, including the New York Times bestseller, You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. She's joining me today to talk about her second book, You Are a Badass Every Day, How to Keep Your Motivation Strong, Your Vibe High, and Your Quest for Transformation unstoppable. I think you're really going to enjoy my talk with Jen. So let's get on with it. Jen, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So you just released another book, You Are a Badass Every Day, which I love because we all need that reminder. And I've just been devouring it. And I love it because it's the kind of book that you can read cover to cover, or you can just pick it up, turn to page and and get something inspiring or thought provoking for the day or a reminder of the badass that you are. Mm-hmm. And one thing that really stuck out to me that I loved is the importance of having a spiritual gym and going to the spiritual gym. Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, I really believe that our motivation and confidence and tenacity and belief systems, they're all muscles like our physical muscle. And just like our physical muscles, if you don't work them out, you get flabby. And so this book is meant to be sort of like your spiritual trainer, your personal spiritual trainer, if you will. Um, And I think all of us need to have a spiritual gym practice in place where you are either reading self-help books or listening to music or meditating or exercising or talking to a mastermind partner or working with a coach. But the key is whatever 
pieces of that work best for you is that you do it every single damn day and that you've got to practice down. And it could be 10 minutes every morning where you meditate and you read and whatever, but it has to happen every day or you won't stay in shape. Mm. And for the people that know that, they know it's a should, but they Uh have trouble committing to it and actually Mm -hmm. doing it. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have about getting over those obstacles and actually just making it happen? Like a lot, we have a lot of moms that listen and just don't have the time for it. At least that's what they say. Right. That's what they say. That's (laughs) what we love to say. Uh, Start small, you know, five minutes whatever. Like, cause I think what happens is that we're just like, Oh God, now I got to add another thing to my already incredibly busy day. So just start small with the most powerful things that you can think of. Everybody's got five or 10 minutes. I don't care how many children you have. So, you know, put carve out that time and do the most powerful thing that you know how to do and then increase it as you go. Chunking it down is one of the best ways to, to get back on the horse. And really acknowledging yourself when you do like one minute of meditation, instead of going, I only did one minute. Like that's a big deal. It's better than zero minutes. And I think that's why a lot of women sometimes have trouble sticking to these things, especially self-care. And I wanted to ask you about that. Why do you think it's, it's more challenging for women generally speaking, to really put themselves first and to stick to a self-care routine and go to the spiritual gym every day? Because we live in a society that tells us either to our faces or just seeping into our pores that we come second. Mm. And that is what it is. But I think that we absolutely have the power to turn any belief system around. So being very conscious of that and remembering that the better you take care of yourself, the better you can take care of the people you want to take care of. So not only is it essential to live a happy, healthy life, but if you want to help other people, that's one of the best ways to do it. So let's just say that most of your life and in your family or in your relationship, you've been a bit of a people pleaser, a bit of, let me just take care of everyone else and I'll come last. And then you start to make these changes. And people in your life are like, oh, wait, uh-huh. wait, what, what are you doing? <laughs> All right. How do you really hold those boundaries and deal with maybe the judgment? Either sometimes people can be outwardly, they can say what they think of it, or you can just kind of feel that they're not vibing with your new spiritual gym routine. Well, as with any negative input, it doesn't, it's not really your business what other people say and think yeah. about you, you know? So let them have their opinion, you know, let them have their temper tantrums. Of course, if you've been putting them first their whole lives, then suddenly you stop doing that. There will probably be some pushback. So, and that is theirs to have and just be loving, but stick to your guns. And this is also where the spiritual gym comes in major handy. If you have a strong practice in place, you will be able to set up better boundaries because your, your muscles will be stronger. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and all of this stuff, it's all stuff we already know. It's about remembering that this is your right as a person and remembering that you deserve this and remembering that this is going to make everybody grow in the process. Yeah. And remembering that sometimes those not self-honoring habits, like taking care of everyone else and not speaking your truth, they're hard to change because we think they're protecting us. We think they're getting us love. We think they're getting us acceptance. And temporarily it kind of does that, but it's not lasting because if we continue to do that, then we build resentment and then we, Mm -hmm. we set up relationships where we feel like the doormat and that people don't really understand us because we're not honoring ourselves. Right. So for me, and I'm curious how this has happened in your life, 
when I really woke up to the fact that I needed to put self-care in my spiritual gym first and I needed to stop worrying so much what other people thought and really set some boundaries with my time and my energy and what I allowed, how I allowed people to talk to me or treat me, it did ruffle some feathers for a while and it did cause some strain in my relationships somewhat. It was like a cocoon, right? It was like that growing period of being in between living my life for everybody else and really honoring what I needed. And it was messy for a while and it was a little challenging, but it's actually made all my relationships better. And I'm just curious if you went through something like that in terms of living kind of more outwardly focused and then waking up one day, or maybe it was not just one day, but had a pivot point in your life where you're like, I need to, I need to put me first. You know, to be honest with you, it was probably the opposite for me. Mm. (laughs) I love that. I think I was very selfish and just doing what felt good for me and getting what I could. And I think as I got older, I started being much more interested in helping other people and being of service that way. Mm. Sort of went backwards, but, or not backwards. I went the way I went, but yeah. Well, could you talk a little bit about what was your inspiration for writing your first book and this book? What were you doing before you were inspiring people to be a badass every day? I was in a bunch of rock bands. I was, I was always a writer. I had two books that had nothing to do with this badass stuff before the badass stuff came out. So I was a writer. I was a musician. I was traveling around, sleeping on park benches. You know, I was having fun, but I was broke. I was always broke and always scraping by. And so when I decided to not be that way anymore, I started reading every self-help book I could get my hands on, (laughs) which was a big, you know, stepping outside of my own comfort zone for me because I thought they were all gooey and woo woo and rah rah. And I was really snarky about it, but I was also really ready to get some money coming in. So I was available to do stuff that was very uncomfortable. And, you know, I read a ton of books and a lot of them were just incredible and just helped me so, so much. But I remember because I'm a writer, I was just like, I could write one of these and I could make it funny and I could Mm -hmm. put curse words in and blah, blah, blah. So that's where the inspiration for the books came from. Mm. And what's your definition of a badass? Someone who gives themselves permission to be, do and have whatever their heart desires. Mm. And if someone doesn't know how to define that for themselves, mm. how can we help people? So be, do, and have whatever they desire. Let's, let's break that down. What do you mean by be? Just to be who you are. You know, there's so much shame surrounding a lot of us just for the very essence of who we are, whether we're gay or straight, or we want to be a ballerina or a doctor, or we, you know, we like what we like and just if we're loud or quiet or tall or short, you know, there's just always so much judgment coming at us from so many directions. Mm -hmm. So if you can just come from inside and realize, well, this is me and love it or leave it. That's, that's pretty badass. Mm -hmm. And then the do, you know, doing what it is that lights up your heart. And, uh, you know, again, lots of outside opinions and judgments and shoulds and going for it and doing what lights you up. And the having is probably the result of both the being and the doing. Both those, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to go back to your story for a moment. The broke part. I aired a podcast just a couple weeks ago where a woman, it was really about getting out of her money story and she had been in survival mode with money. She was in her forties and it seems like no matter what she did, she couldn't get out of it. 
I have lots of callers and listeners where that is a thing, where that is a challenge, where their main struggle in life seems to be with money. And no matter what they do, they can't turn it around. So I was wondering if you'd be willing to share a little bit more about how, like what, what your, what you learned in your personal growth journey about your relationship with money and how you turned that around, because you didn't go from sleeping on park benches to being a best-selling author overnight. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing was to get mighty real with myself about, you know, quote unquote, doing everything I could, because I think we pretend we are when we're really not, because a lot of time opportunities show up and they're way too expensive, quote unquote, or way too risky or, you know, way too uncomfortable. So we immediately rule them out. And then we wonder why we are, you know, three years later, still in the same situation. So for me, the first decision I made was to decide to get rich, which is right there in itself is extremely controversial. And, you know, talk about lots of judgment on that Mm -hmm. one. And so what that meant was reading self-help books and going to, you know, money-making seminars and doing all this stuff that I just was so uncomfortable doing and thought was so cheesy. But again, I was doing whatever it took. And then through that learning to bust myself on my own money stories and I put an exercise in both you are a badass and you are a badass at making money about writing a letter to money and getting clear on, you know, in our conscious minds, we're all like, hell yeah, I'd love to make tons of money. Yeah. But deep down, I thought rich people were greedy pigs. Mm. And I believed that I, you know, had 40 years of proof that I sucked at making money and you can't make money as a writer. And, you know, you have to work hard and I don't want to work hard. So it was just, I just had all this negative crap. So once I did the work on becoming aware of what that was, I could rewrite the story and, you know, do all the mindset work. But I have to say the thing that I think made the biggest, that I know made the biggest change in me was I'm doing all this work, I'm going to seminars, self-help book, investigating my subconscious and doing stuff that scared the living crap out of me a lot. And that is my probably best piece of advice for anybody Mm. who wants to change anything is do something that scares the life out of you because, that's the secret doorway to the other side. You got where you are by doing what's familiar and not scary. And if you really want to change it, you've got to do stuff that's terrifying. And for me, the first big thing I did was hire a coach who cost honestly, like at least a quarter, if not a third of my annual income at the Mm -hmm. time. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. making no money, so that's not a lot of money, but to me, it was (laughs) enormous and I was already in debt. And so, you know, I was doing all this work being like, send me a sign. What do I do? What do I do? And in walked this coach. And I was like, great. You know, mm-hmm. I got to pay her this amount of money. Are you kidding me? But because I had made the decision, instead of talking myself out of it immediately, I started figuring out how the hell I was going to pay her. Mm. And how, like timeline wise, how long did it take for things to really shift for you? Three months. Three months. Yep. You are I, a badass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was serious as a heart attack. So yeah. I paid her this money. I took out another credit card. I was already in serious credit mm-hmm. card debt. Mm-hmm. And, but I was so, but the thing is, it was the decision. That is what it was. Mm-hmm. I was, I rolled up my sleeve. Anything she told me to do, I did. I was like, I don't care how terrified I am, how unqualified I feel, blah, blah, blah. I did every single solitary thing I was told to do. And I I I, can't, I am I lying? Did I triple my income in three months? I know I I got out of debt in three months. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. 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 That's incredible. And, and then went on to just really crack open everything financially for me because I because I was willing to scare the crap out of myself. Yeah, 
Yeah. And change a lot of beliefs that probably were not serving you. Yeah. And you know, and the thing is the beliefs catch up. Like I didn't know how much I believed that Jensen Chero was a money-making machine. You know, Mm -hmm. all I knew is that Jensen Chero was hell bent to become one. So I was much more focused on the excitement around the idea than the actual belief itself. And it did eventually catch up with me and I do believe it now. But I think what's way more important than demanding of yourself that you believe this new truth is that you excited about it. I agree. I agree because I think feelings generate momentum way more than affirmations or trying to try like thoughts, trying to talk yourself into it because I really feel thoughts follow feelings. So if we want to shift something, we've got to lean into the feeling that we want to create. And I think excitement's amazing feeling. Curiosity is an amazing feeling. Gratitude's an amazing feeling. But I love that you said excitement because that's a feeling that has some juice. Like it Mm -hmm. has some, it has some momentum in it. Mm -hmm. And for me, as I'm feeling into it, it's going to pull you forward a little faster than gratitude. Gratitude and appreciation is great but excitement put some gas in your car. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, um, cause another thing that listeners feel and struggle with a lot is just like a lack of self-worth, like not feeling deserving of it. Was that something that you ever bumped up against? Personally, I don't know. I don't think that was my big one, mm-hmm. but I'm sure I had some of that somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was your biggest one? You know, one of the biggest ones that I discovered, well, first of all, I didn't believe that I could. Mm-hmm. I really didn't think I could because I had 40 years of proof that I sucked at making money. <laughs> I didn't think it was okay. I yeah. thought it meant I was greedy and had no morals. But a big one that I discovered was that I believed that if I started making money, my dad, who showed me, you know, attention and showed me that he loved me by like giving me a $20 bill every once in a while. Yeah. I discovered that I believe that if I got rich, it would be like stabbing him in the heart where he wouldn't be able to love me. That was huge for me. Mm. And I think that's big for a lot of people not wanting to outshine the people they love. Yeah. Yeah. That is a big one. Not wanting to outshine or feeling responsible in some way or feeling, especially for people that had parents that maybe weren't around or didn't give them love, just feeling completely undeserving of everything. And that that Mm will show up financially as well. Well, thank you for sharing all this. I really appreciate your, your honesty and vulnerability because here, you know, when you hear a story of someone who went from broke to financially abundant, it's so wonderful to know the hows and not Mm -hmm. just the action steps you did, but the, the inner work that you did as well. So I want to talk a little bit more about the book. What are some of your favorite spiritual gym exercises or activities? Meditation is big for me, just getting quiet and, you know, and I have to struggle with it. I'm very distracted, but I always feel so much better when I do it. So again, I'm one of the big believers of if I fall off the horse, like getting in for two minutes a day, three minutes a day, four minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Music is huge for me. Music can completely change my outlook on the world and hiking out in nature is huge. Nature is a big one. I still definitely read self-help books if definitely are huge for me too. So those are probably my top four. Mm. And would you, I know you're so great at giving these loving motivational spankings. <laughs> would you mind, it doesn't have, you don't have to read from the book. It doesn't necessarily have to be from the book, but would you mind giving our listeners just a couple loving motivational spankings, some good reminders for them today? 
Well, you know, we are on a planet. We are on a ball in infinite space right now. So the idea of playing it safe or deciding that you're stuck in a certain way. I mean, this whole experience of being alive on planet Earth is so bananas and Mm -hmm. otherworldly that why not go for it? What do you honestly have to lose? You are on a ball in infinite space. So you might as well just go balls to the wall and create whatever you desire. I find that, I mean, that could have most people waking up screaming in the middle of the night, but I find it very <laughs> motivating. <laughs> you know, this is your only shot to be the you that is you and why not go for it? And there are a lot of people out there doing exactly what you would love to do. So why have you decided that you can't do it too? Mm, now that that's a super important one because I think that we fall into the scarcity trap and think, oh, well, because Jen write this, wrote this book and is telling everybody to be a bit badass. I, there's not enough space for me or she's already done it. So I can't. Mm-hmm. And that right there, whenever we have that thought, that reveals to us we're we're in a scarcity mindset and know like just because someone else does it doesn't mean there's less room for you. It actually is evidence that it works. Exactly. (laughs) And there's proof and there's billions and billions of people in the world and so much opportunity and abundance. So let other people be an inspiration rather than throw you into comparison coma and give you an excuse not to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So rounding out here, we talked about how women tend to be harder on ourselves and often need to be reminded a little more that we're badasses. How can we support our friends, our sisters, other women? How can we make badassery a movement? Oh, wow. Well, there's, first of all, many organizations you can join out there. So if you want to um, donate money to people, donate your time, get women elected into office, I think is super important. You know, and even just as simple as just day-to-day stuff, you know, smiling at other women, helping other women, complimenting other women, sharing your resources with other women, being conscious of supporting women-owned businesses, doing little favors for your pals, you know, just lifting us all up and catching yourself on your own, just, I call it inbred misogyny, like (laughs) we, you know, and stop apologizing for God's sakes. Mm. Please cut out the I'm sorry's. Yes, (laughs) yes, especially when we say no. No seems to always be followed by an apology and a huge justification. Yeah, Yeah. I think going on like an I'm sorry hiatus, like try and spend a whole day not apologizing and then do it the next day. You know, apologize when you're being a jerk, but. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. I was talking to someone I love deeply, deeply, someone like in my soul family. And she was upset and sharing with me. We were talking and she kept apologizing. And I'm like, please stop apologizing. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, so much to me that you're sharing your emotions and your heart with me. Like, you're not a burden. That's another thing that I feel is so important for us is to not think that when we're asking for help or sharing our story or just connecting with another human being that we're a burden in any way. That it's so boring. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That thought is so boring. Mm -hmm. Oh, so question for you about raising kids. We have a lot of parents that listen to the show, and one of the things that I do is I keynote speak. And my one of my areas of expertise for years has been generational diversity and millennials. And 
you know, everybody makes a joke about millennials are entitled and they got a trophy for 19th place and their egos were overinflated and they were overparented and they were told they were special their whole life. And so it produced this generation of entitled people. I don't think that's 100% true. There's a lot more to that, but that that's a belief that's out there. So a lot of parents struggle with, well, how much do I tell my kids so often they're a badass and remind them of these truths without doing it in a way that creates a sense of entitlement? And I'd love any thoughts you have on that. Well, I think with anybody, also that is so, I, I just, I hate this whole millennial slamming going I on. I just think it's so icky. It's icky and it's it stereotyped a generation that oh, uh, they're not all like that at all. And they just needed to be managed a different way. And that's what I teach companies is like, they just need to be managed in a different way that actually is a better way to manage people. And they're changing the workforce and cr- asking for more kindness and collaboration at work and asking companies to be more transparent. So in my opinion, they brought a lot of amazingness to the workforce and I've yeah. always been an advocate. <laughs> Good, because it's just, it's so disheartening. I yes. just think it's icky. Anyway, you know, I think with anything, I think praise is a wonderful thing and that too much praise can not be a great thing. But um, I don't know if I know the answer to this quite so succinctly, but I guess it would be teaching them the value of earning things. Mm -hmm. So, and then praising them when they do, you know, not just handing it out willy nilly, no matter what, but making them show up and do what they say and be responsible and keep their word and, and all that stuff. And, um, and praising them for that kind of thing. I guess it's when, when the praise is just doled out without any sort of accountability that it becomes a problem. Mm. That was an amazing answer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, Jen, I thank you so much for being here today and for writing these books and making the decision to turn around your life and believe in yourself and believe that you can do it because just that has helped thousands, millions of people really start to believe in themselves. So I really acknowledge yeah. you for that choice and for the yeah. voice that you are. So thank you. Oh, thank you for doing what you do too. And tell everyone where they can connect with you and get the book. They can go to jenisincero.com, which is J-E-N-S-I-N-C-E-R-O.com or youarebadass.com will get you to the same place. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jen. Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> 